0: Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews five, eleven through 14. We have a great deal to say about this, and it is difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Please pray with me. Lord God, we come before you and we praise you for sustaining us over these past several months. Um, We know you to be the great provider, our comforter, and our healer. And Lord God, I pray for us in the days to come, both as individuals and as a congregation, that we would continue to grow in righteousness. Um, and that we would grow in exhibiting the spirits of the fr- the fruits of the spirit, Lord God. Um, help us, especially in this time, to grow to be a good neighbor um, to the marginalized and to the oppressed. We thank you for being here with us today, and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Thanks, Katie. So when our daughter, Ruby Love, was just a teeny tiny baby, like we're talking months old, it was kind of a weird season for Nick and I. We were in this time of uh, transition, um, uh, an odd kind of holding pattern that was uh, forced by Italian bureaucracy. We had, we had quit our careers. We had um, kind of gotten rid of our stuff. We were supposed to already be on the mission field, but we were waiting for our visas, and we had nothing on our, t- on our hands but time. It was during this season that Ruby Love was, was transitioning as, a, as an infant into the world of solid foods. So Nick, trying to fill this great void of time that we had, took it upon herself to make every bit of her baby food. What she would do is she would, she would make these elaborate casseroles, you know, with different meats and all kinds of different spices. And then she bought like this, this hand grinder and you would put the casserole into the grinder to get it to baby food consistency. And you'd start by feeding her one casserole and it was almost completely liquefied. And then the na- next casserole was a little more elaborate and had some different meats and had some different spices and it was a little less ground. And you go on and on and on until Ruby Love had tried just about every food on the planet before she was six months old and was beginning to eat more solid foods. Now, fast forward, by the time Ruby Love was two years old, she was eating her weight in raw salmon from the only sushi bar in Perugia, Italy. She had an incredibly broad palate. She was very curious about food. She was was growing um, in in unbelievable ways. You see, pediatricians tell us that that the transition from from milk to solid foods, it's, it's important for many reasons. You have a broader range of vitamins and minerals that you can get. But even, even beyond that, a transition to, to solid foods, introducing solids is important for helping babies just learn basic motor functions, learn how to eat, give them the experience of new tastes and new textures and a broader range of foods. It even, it even develops the teeth and jaws and muscles that are necessary as you grow and begin speaking and learn how to communicate. All of that can be traced back from the, the transition from milk to solid foods. Now, if any of y'all were watching online last week, you know that, that we're now in the second week of our summer sermon series. And, and this summer... We're going to be talking about whole life stewardship, what it looks like to be all in in our spiritual journey, in our pursuit of Christ, and, and defining, um, reclaiming that word stewardship, you know, which we'll be defining as the careful, responsible, and intentional management of resources that are entrusted to us for kingdom purposes, Last week, we talked about how how God is the creator and therefore owner of all things. As a result, we as his children owe him all things. So we're going to be walking through this idea of what does it mean to, to manage everything that God has given us, our lives themselves. Yes, that includes finances, but it goes so far beyond that. What does it look like to to manage, to be good stewards of, of our relationships, our gifts, our talents of creation, of the opportunities that God gives us? Now, you may be asking, okay, what does stewardship and stories about homemade baby food have to do with Hebrews 5 and the passage that Katie read for us this morning? I'm glad you asked. If we are to be good stewards, if we are to engage in biblical whole life stewardship, it begins with stewardship of our faith journey, stewardship of our spiritual maturity. Um, Nick is in a Sunday morning Bible study. And currently, they're walking through the book of Hebrews. Just last night, I watched as Nick and Jamie Morrison, who is one of the leaders in this Bible study, discussed, debated, argued about, (laughs) chewed on Hebrews chapter six, which is where they were this week. There's some difficult stuff in there. There's some meaty stuff in there. There's some stuff that's hard to chew in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews knew that. He recognized that. He recognized that it was even difficult for the original readers of the book of Hebrews. And, and you see that in this passage that Katie read for us this morning in Hebrews chapter five. You see as as, as he's getting frustrated, you can sense his frustration. You can, you can almost hear him lament as, as he calls them lazy. As he says, here, here in verse 11, that, that they're, they're, they've already become too lazy to understand. He's shaking his head as he writes the words, you should already know this. But I continue to have to re-explain so many of the basics. You see, for so many of us, Christianity, our spirituality, so to speak, we consider it to be passive. You know, we, we walked down the aisle so many years ago when the choir director was leading us in the you know, seventh a cappella chorus of Just As I Am, um, or, or when we were in the sixth grade at church camp and Michael W. Smith was playing in the background, or when we recited the spiritual laws or the, the sinner's prayer or whatever it was, we had kind of that moment, and then we really didn't do anything after that. My, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and now I can just sit back and receive. Now, before we go any further, I need to make sure that everyone in these pews, everyone watching online, we all know that we know that we know that our salvation is by grace through faith, period. Period through faith period if we say faith and whatever comes after the and that is blasphemy including comma but not limited to comma spiritual growth and maturity reading and studying the bible we do not earn our salvation We do not keep our salvation by reading and studying the scripture, by by growth and spiritual maturity, although those things can be and are tangible evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. I just need to make sure we all understand that I am not saying these things we talk about this morning are in addition to faith, these are not saving things, but they are evidence of a saving faith in our lives. Like a child, like Ruby Love when she was an infant, as a child develops and they they make the transition from milk into spiritual food, we as Christ followers are likewise called to grow and mature spiritually, to develop in our faith journey. And in order to do so, at some point, we must begin to eat solid spiritual food. It's exactly what the author of Hebrews is lamenting here in chapter 5. I wish I didn't have to go over this again, but you've become lazy you can only be fed milk, not spiritual food. It's not the only time that metaphor is used in the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 3. As Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he says basically the same thing. I really wish I could give you more. I wish I could feed you solid spiritual food, but you're not ready. You're still too immature. You're still on milk. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter encourages Christ followers to be insatiable in in their pursuit of their Savior, to be insatiable in their spiritual maturity and their spiritual growth so they can continue to develop and rid themselves of deceit and anger and envy and hypocrisy. We are called to grow and mature spiritually. Now, Some of you may be thinking right now, okay, Hannah, just a minute ago you told me once again that I am saved by faith alone, and now you are also telling me that I am called to spiritual maturity and growing and developing in my faith journey. My question is, why put in the effort? If I walk down the aisle and I said the prayer and my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, what's the point? Why can't I just sit back and be lazy? Well, once again, I'm glad you asked. We are called as good stewards of the resources we've been given, including our faith journey, to be intentional about managing those resources for kingdom purposes, for the glory of God. And there are incredible, tangible kingdom benefits to us growing spiritually, to us continuing to develop in our faith journey. The first one, the the author of Hebrews mentions here in this passage. We've had a great deal to say about this and it's difficult to explain since you've become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. By this time, you, who self-identify as a follower of Christ, ought to be able to teach, and yet you've been lazy. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. What does it say? We're called to Make disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What does it say next? Teaching them all that I have commanded. That's how we make disciples. We teach. We walk our spiritual journey. We grow and we mature And as we're a few steps further down the path, we can teach those a little bit behind us. We can teach those walking with us. If God is who you say he is, if God has done what you claim he has done in your life, you should be desperate to teach others about it. You should be desperate to help others to grow and mature in their spiritual journey to teach others what you know about their creator and what it looks like to have a a living real relationship with a living savior. We're called to grow spiritually so that we can teach. Teach. We're called to grow spiritually so that we can think critically and engage our culture. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there are a few things going on in the world right now. Each of us, every single day, are bombarded with big, major issues. As a Christ follower, what should our response be to racism in our world today? What should our response be to a history of racism in our country? As Christ followers, what should our response be to various Supreme Court decisions or postmodern ideology or, or all of the nuance and intricacy of transitioning in a time of a global pandemic? It is through spiritual growth and maturity, intentional management of our faith journey that we are able to engage our culture and engage these concepts, engage these issues. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, as Paul uh, is writing to the believers in Thessalonica, he, he says, he implores them, don't stifle the spirit. These things, test these things. Seek out these things so that you can go and engage the culture around you. Luke, in Acts chapter 17, he's describing the Bereans, and he says, you know what? They're even better than the Thessalonians because every single day they were diving into scriptures and they were learning and they were desperate to learn so they could engage the culture around them. 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, as a Christ follower, you should always be prepared to respond, to defend the hope that the world sees in you, the joy that the world sees in you. You should always be prepared to engage the world from a Christian worldview through the lens of Jesus Christ in your life. Now, there there is no verse in this book that says, in the times of a global pandemic, A Christ follower should wear a mask over their mouth and nose. There is no verse in this book that says in times of civil unrest and racial tension, a Christ follower should support or oppose the removal of statues that glorify Civil War heroes. There's no verse that I can just say, hey, go to this and this is what it says to do. But this book, this Bible, God's living, breathing word absolutely addresses every single one of those issues. We love the cliche, what would Jesus do? But we cannot answer that question in any context unless we are growing in our knowledge of him. We need to be able to recognize how how scripture addresses each of these issues and we need to be able and prepared to apply it to our lives and to our world. In order to view all of these things that we're faced with through the lens of Christ, we must spend time examining Christ, getting to know Christ and his teachings, getting to know the word of God. Because make no mistake, you will view these issues through the lens of something. And if not this, it will be the lens of Fox News, or it will be the lens of the East Nashville Facebook page, or it will be the lens of your social media feed. You will be influenced by something. We as Christ followers are called to engage in our culture through the lens of Christ himself. We cannot do that without intentionally, carefully, responsibly growing and developing in our faith journey. These times are not for the faint of heart, nor are they for the willfully ignorant. We're called to grow so we can teach. We're called to grow so we can engage our culture and think critically. But at the foundation of all of that, we're called to grow and develop spiritually so that we can know our Savior better and more intimately. You know, during times of racial tension, uh, during during February, Black History Month. You, you see all over everybody's social media feed Martin Luther King Jr. quotes. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that, right? You see it everywhere. You know, the implication being of how much we love and respect Martin Luther King Jr., how much Dr. King has influenced our lives, but so often... If you were to have a conversation with the person that posted that quote, say, How has Dr. King influenced your life? What do you know about Dr. King? Well, he said that. Um, There was the I Have a Dream speech. He was a civil rights leader, peaceful protests. The basics I can kind of give you the basics. He was shot in Memphis. But for many of us that would claim to respect and be influenced by his teachings, we are influenced on the surface only, only vaguely. The teachings of Dr. King may be in the forefront of our mind once or twice a year, rarely. Do we consider them specifically in our decision-making process? How many of us treat Jesus the exact same way? How many of, of us, when asked about this man we claim to follow, we can give a quote or two, the basics about his life. I can, I can tell you, uh, you know, about the, the wise men and the shepherds. There might have been a donkey there. Um, I can tell you about the cross. There was a tomb and a rock that was rolled away. Probably pull some quotes out of context. But the reality is, he doesn't influence my my day-to-day life. I am influenced by this man I claim to follow only vaguely and only on the surface. How many of us claim to be Christ's followers, claimed to be influenced by him, yet can't be bothered to spend the time to get to know this man we call Savior and Lord. That passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, that passage where Peter is imploring Christ's followers to be insatiable, voracious, in their spiritual growth and maturity. He goes on to say, Because you have tasted the Lord and he is good. When you when you get a taste of your savior, you can't help but want more. The more that we know, the more that we take care of our faith, the more that we exercise it, the more we want. To the point that you you can't get enough. You wake up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. You desperately want more to chew on, more to consider. We become filled with his love and his teachings. We are able to discern the movement of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, I am shocked at how many people come to me and say, I just, I just can't hear him. I just don't know. And yet they will also tell me that they aren't doing anything to pursue him. You see, the more we know him, the more we recognize his voice. Paul's famous words in Romans chapter 12, that we as Christ followers are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, which, by the way, as we talk about whole life stewardship, that is the best definition of it. We are to present our whole lives as a living sacrifice, and that is our worship of our Lord. And then in verse 2, he goes on to say, Don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to the media that you consume. Don't be conformed to the influence of everything around you, but instead be transformed by consistently and constantly renewing your mind so that you can discern the will of God so that you can know what is good and holy. This is how we make disciples. This is how we teach others. This is how we think critically and engage the culture around us. This is how we intentionally and responsibly care for and develop spiritually and spiritual maturity. This morning, ask yourself, where am I on my faith journey? Are you a few steps further down the road than you were in March when all this started? Are you a few steps further down the road than you were last year, or five years ago? What are you doing to steward your faith? What actions are you taking to grow spiritually, to grow in knowledge and understanding of your Savior? If you don't have answers to those questions, let me tell you how to start. Prayer. Intentional, consistent, intimate, desperate Communication with the creator and lover of your soul. It is not bringing a list of demands to the great God of the heavens and wondering why he doesn't meet our demands. It is two way communication that involves way more listening than talking. Pray. Read and study the scriptures. We hold in our hands this morning the living, breathing word of the creator of the universe. Do we stand half in awe of that as we should be? If you identify as a follower of Christ and you do not desire to spend time in his word, ask yourself why. Pray, read and study the scriptures and finally walk in community. We were not created to walk this journey alone. We were We were designed for intimacy and intimate relationships. And we were designed to be walking with other Christ followers so that we can encourage one another, so that we can hold each other accountable, so that we can pray together, so that we can laugh together, so that we can know and be known. Pray, study, walk in community. If you don't know how to start these things, let us come alongside you in your faith journey. Let us pray for you and with you. If you don't have a Bible, let me get you one. If you don't have community, I've got good news for you. You can find it here. It will be our great honor and joy to walk with you on this journey to spiritual maturity. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful, humbled, and amazed by your presence with us both in this room, in our homes, in every corner, nook, and cranny of our lives. Grateful for the gift of your grace, the gift of salvation. Grateful for the opportunity to continue to grow and mature in our desperate pursuit of you. We pray all of these things in your son's name. Amen.